Disney is under fire for filming its new live-action version of Mulan in a Chinese city where Muslim minorities are held in prison camps. Mulan tells the legendary story of a young girl who becomes a famous warrior instead of being killed in the first first 15 minutes of any sword battle as she would have been in real life. The Disney filming of Mulan in a city and country that is violating the most basic rights of its citizens is in direct contrast to Disney's threat to boycott the state of Georgia if Georgia passed a law guaranteeing religious freedom. When asked to explain why Disney filmed in a Chinese city that puts religious minorities in camps but refused to film in an American state if it guaranteed religious freedom, Disney spokesman Janus Smug said, quote, that's a very complicated question. No, I'm kidding. The answer is money. The long green, the almighty dollar, the big Somalian, the smackaroo, the cheddar, the Benjamins, the dough, the bread, the casseroni. You see, if we bend over backwards or even forwards for the Chinese tyrants who forcibly sterilize women, torture and murder dissidents and intern minorities, our films will be made available to a massive Chinese audience who can fill our pockets with great jingling piles of sweet, sweet ducats, which we can then use to buy big houses, big cars, private jets, and underage girls, or this being Hollywood boys, all of which is much better than having small houses and small cars and having to fly commercial without the 15-year-olds. This makes it very important to us that we bring our family-friendly fare with its terrific values and inspiring storylines to the murderous Chinese, whereas if we boycott the crackers in Georgia, we'll look woke for the journos and it will barely cost us a sou. I hope this clarifies the subtle reasoning behind our decision." Unquote. Disney has already announced their delightful new animated feature, Mao, about an adorable talking panda who slaughters 100 million people. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. I feel hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy, the world is a bitty zing It's a wonderful day, hooray, hooray, it makes me want to sing. Oh, hooray, hooray. Oh, hooray, hooray. All right. I never wanted to work again in Hollywood anyway. Welcome to the show. Please go on the Andrew Clavin YouTube site and subscribe. We have over 100,000 subscribers now. We are aiming to get 50 billion people subscribing to the Andrew. So every everyone counts. Leave a comment and if the comment is sufficiently brainless, uh, we will elevate the conversation on the show by reading it on the air. We have one today from Jimmy King. Now, yesterday I pointed out that only uh, beautiful women watch this show. And uh, Jimmy King responds, uh, the first few minutes of the podcast yesterday changed my life. Uh, this is the day I found out I am a beautiful woman. All these years, I assumed I was a bigoted white male of racist descent. However, the all-knowing Clavin has decreed that only beautiful women watch his podcast. Since the most wonderful Clavin is all-knowing and all-seeing, this can only mean that I, too, am a beautiful woman. I enjoyed my time as male, but I look forward to living the rest of my life, however short it may be, as a beautiful woman. May the Clavin look down on me with pride as I, among thousands of others, begin our new lives as women. Uh, I'm not sure... (laughs) I'm not sure Jimmy quite understood what I was saying, but let's not tell him this may be a good thing for him. Stamps.com is even more important now than ever. You're trying to keep your business afloat. You don't want to go down to the post office, stand online with people coughing and hacking into their masks that don't do anything. 
you want to be able to get everything you get from the post office, which is a lot of good stuff. You want to be able to get it on your computer. Thousands of small business owners have discovered the benefits of Stamps.com just in recent recent months. They've been able to keep their businesses running and avoid the crowds at the post office all from their own computers. With Stamps.com, you can print postage on demand and avoid going to the post office. And you'll save money with discounted rates you can't even get at the post office. Stamps.com also offers UPS services with discounts up to 62% and no residential surcharges. Right now, my listeners get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale without any long-term commitment. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Claven. That's stamps.com. Enter Claven. And I know you just froze with your hands hovering over (laughs) over the keyboard going, yes, but how 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 do I spell Claven? It's K L A V A N. Yeah, <laughs> I was just going to say that. The whole thing is there's no. E- this is the trick. See, remember, this is the trick. There's no ease in Claven. I just make it look easy. So yesterday, I started out talking about the fact that Marxism sucks, and that people sell you sucky Marxism by trying to convince you that poverty, slavery, homelessness, and rolling blackouts are all virtuous products of caring, fairness, and equality instead of absolute disasters of bad policy that solve not one single problem. This, however, is not to say that capitalism and even freedom itself are perfect systems. You can have perfect systems or you can have human beings, but you can't have both. Liberty and capitalism are among the best things in life, but they do lead to inequalities, a measure of chaos, and a sense that all meaning has been subsumed by the almighty dollar. That's why I think conservatives need a new mental approach to problem solving instead of the one we usually go with, which is automatically opposing whatever the left proposes. The other day, I saw this hilarious video by a gay conservative rocker named Ricky Rebel. It showed how Black Lives Matter thugs resorted to riot and violence, whereas Trump supporters fought back with a campy song. Everybody's saying It made me laugh uh, immoderately to see the mostly peaceful BLM riot met with a mostly straight musical number from the MAGA crowd. It was a reminder that freedom is fun and weird and includes anyone who can take responsibility for himself. I think we'd get a lot more fun a lot quicker if we didn't resist change so automatically as conservatives. Gays were excluded. Now they're not. Now they can be on our side. The right should have seen this coming and gotten out in front of it. The left identifies problems in order to expand government. That's why they do it. But that doesn't mean the problems they identify don't exist. Some of them do. Free global markets that destroy communities, debt that prevents people from getting married, inequality that puts inordinate burdens on children. These are real issues. And if we don't offer the most free market libertarian solutions we can think of, the left will get there first with their enslaving advance of government. For me, conservatism means progress in keeping with our traditions. It's not an attempt to free society forever in an imagined golden past. So let me just remark a little bit more about this incredible story about the Disney Corporation. You know, uh, Helen Raleigh writing in The Federalist says not only did they not only did they film the new live action Mulan in a place, uh, an area where uh, Muslim minorities are oppressed 
not only did they do it, they, they thanked the members of the Communist Party in one of those special thanks credits that they have at the end of films. They thanked members of the Communist Party. And according to Helen Raleigh in The Federalist, they actually had the script vetted. Uh, they shared the script with Chinese authorities while consulting with local advisors. And because of this, they changed the emphasis of the original animated Mulan, which was about a young girl reaching self-realization by make pretending that she could fight with a sword. They changed that message into a message of loyalty, family loyalty, loyalty to the state, which of course is what the Chinese love. The Chinese love loyalty. So here are people kowtowing to this slave state, these tyrants, these imperialist tyrants, these tyrants who even as we speak are crushing the people of Hong Kong in their efforts to become, uh, to remain a democratic and free people who are in fact enslaving and interning these Muslim minorities. And these are the same guys who just announced that the motion, the Oscar Academy is now going to require uh, inclusion in films before they can name them best film. So not only so now the best film won't be the best film, it'll be the best film with a lot of different colored faces in it. These are the same guys who are lecturing us on morality and it never occurs to them to think, hey, you know what? Maybe we suck. And this is why when these attacks on Trump come and the attacks on Trump for being what he sometimes is, which is sometimes bore, sometimes rude, it really kind of bounces off me because even though I disapprove of that in Trump, I don't think I'm listening to the most saintly people in the world. And really what we should be paying attention to is policy and ideas, not personalities, because all these personalities have a lot to be desired. All right. So, you know, some ideas, this is the thing. You listen to people and people strut around and they pretend that they have something to say and they pretend that they're uh, noble or virtuous. And, and it really does... Every time I see these rioters, every time I see these BLM or Antifa fascist rioters tormenting people in restaurants or attacking people, I always think to myself, well, wh why do they consider themselves virtuous? I mean, why don't they understand that they could be the bad guys? And why do they think that they're in some position of higher uh, a higher virtuous vision that they can impose on others. What have they created? What have they done? You can look at George Washington, one of the greatest men in all of history. You can look at George Washington and say, well, you know, he owned slaves. He had a blind spot about his slaves. He truly did. So he, you know, he was not a virtuous person as, as virtuous as we'd like to think, but he did great things. I mean, he did great things with his life. What have these people done? Namely, nothing. They've done nothing. And you look at the idea. So then you say, OK, so you're just as bad as everybody else. Of course you are. We all are. We're all about the same virtue wise, unless we're e truly evil. So why is it that I should listen to your ideas? What is it about your ideas? And some ideas are so bad, you have to wonder what's behind them. You can't really think that someone thinks it's going to be good for civilization to defund the police, to attack the police, to look at crime in a neighborhood and say, well, this is the fault of the police. That can't be right. That can't be a good idea. And so you have to say, well, what is it? What are you really opposed to? And really what they're opposed to is they're opposed to Western civilization. They, they are. I mean, it's not, this is not like a, uh, uh, me attacking them, saying secretly they're opposed to Western civilization. They openly are opposed to Western civilization. And the question is always, what do they plan to replace it with? And when we look at the places they take over and see the graffiti, the rape, the abuse, the tyranny, we understand this is what it is. And so now the police are starting to strike back. And suddenly the left has a, a case of those goodbye blues. Goodbye blues. Goodbye, blue. 
loving arms I used to use. Yes, the t- yes, friends, we're broadcasting here from on top of the Claven Towers, the chief of the Rochester, New York Police Department, and two of his deputies, basically the entire command structure of the Rochester, New York Police Department has resigned. This comes after days of protest and mounting criticism over the death of Daniel Prude, a black man who was high on PCP, and they had to restrain him. He was, again, resisting arrest. And... The thing that is stuck in everybody's minds is that they put a mesh hood over his head. And, you know, this is something we should talk about. That we, A lot of people, as a kid, I was in a lot of fistfights. And that doesn't make me an expert on violence. There are people, obviously, who have lived very violent lives. I'm not one of them. But as a kid, I was in a lot of fistfights. And people who have never been anywhere near a fistfight really don't understand what violence looks like and why it looks different in different ways. So, for instance, the police a lot of times will rat pack a guy. They will pile on him, which is actually a safer way of bringing him down than going after him one-on-one with a weapon where you really have to hurt the guy in order to bring him down. So they swamp the guy and they put a mesh hood over his head. And the reason they do that is he's high, he's crazy, and it keeps him from spitting and biting. So the guys don't get AIDS, they don't get any kind of the disease that he might be transmitting. So that's why they put it on. But later he died. An autopsy said he died uh, of p- acute. He died of asphyxiation in a setting of physical restraint. He was in the hospital. It was like seven days later, and acute PCP <laughs> intoxication. So we have to think that the PCPs had something to do with it. So now, of course, they come out and they're attacking the police chief. They're attacking the police, and there are all these demonstrations. And the chief of police, Laron Singletary, finally came out and said he'd had it. Okay, and he said. You know, um, he said, as a man of integrity, this is his resignation letter, I will not sit idly by while outside entities attempt to destroy my character. You know, he doesn't need this. Why does he need to be attacked as, you know, he's giving uh, his life to service, to helping people, and he's being dragged down into the mud. The police union said what is clear is that the problems of leadership go directly to the mayor's office and the mayor, uh, whose name, she has like a great name. It's like lovely, what is it? Mayor Love. Mayor Lovely uh, Warren, Lovely Mayor Lovely Warren, uh, she came out and she was obviously in shock. She came out and made this statement. I want to assure our Rochester community that the Rochester Police Department will continue to serve and protect our residents and our neighborhoods. Chief Singletary will remain in charge of the department through the end of the month. And I know that he and the officers will fulfill their duties. We have spoken about maintaining our restraint regarding the ongoing protests and ask all involved to remain peaceful. While the timing and tenor of these resignations is difficult, we have faced tough times before. I truly believe that we will get through this. So that, you know, that means nothing. We've faced tough times before. This is bad policy. Again, this is people, people putting a moral frame on bad policy. She mishandled her police department. She didn't support her police department. And this is a problem we're having in a lot of these Democrat cities. In Dallas, the police chief, U. Renee Hall, submitted her resignation letter. Uh, this is after she was attacked because she took strong measures against pro- George Floyd protesters in, in Dallas. And so she resigned. 
And again, you know, Renee Hall is a black woman. Uh, Chief Singletary is a black man. This is like really uh, gutting police departments of people who were very committed to reforming the police. These are not guys, you know, these are not the old police, you know, bring you into the back room and slap you around till they get a confession. That stuff is gone. And it's gone in a lot of these cities. A lot of these cities have modernized. A lot of these cities have made sure that their police department looks like the population of their city. A lot of reform has gone on, but while that reform is going on, tougher uh, police measures were taken in order to bring down crime. And it worked, which made black lives not only better, it kept black people alive. A lot of the victims of crime are black. A lot of the perpetrators of crime are black, and they kept black people alive by increasing the efficiency of their policing by making sure that policing was not just directed at the worst offenders, but also directed at people who just bring the neighborhood down. They call it broken window policing, who break windows, who uh, have graffiti. And now a lot of these neighborhoods fall apart very quickly once they know that nobody's watching, nobody's patrolling. And so this was this stuff that they call mass incarceration. That's Mass incarceration is a typical leftist phrase made to make something good sound bad like objectifying women, which just means men like women, men like to look at women, which is a good thing because otherwise none of us would be here, right? So when they say, you know, racial profiling, that's just using good police work to identify criminals before they commit crimes. When they say mass incarceration, that's just good policing, making sure that uh, what they call um, quality of life crimes are taken care of. Now, all these guys are finding that the top people, these politicians, these Weasley politicians are pulling their support from guys who are out there on the front lines, risking their life every day. Here's a guy in, uh, this is guys from Indiana. This is Sheriff Dave Wedding from Indiana, Vanderburg County. I think that's the largest county in Indiana. That's where Evanstown is. Just saying he's left, he was a Democrat, no more. What I've witnessed across the United States is shocking. As a law enforcement leader, I can't imagine 101 days of rioting, and it's condoned by the Democrat leadership. It's it's unbelievable that they can do that to our law enforcement profession. As a sheriff, I could not imagine putting my deputies on the front lines of these riots night after night with no relief in sight. And if, if you're a parent of a law enforcement officer that's going out there uh, subjected to these rights, I think they would be appalled as well. So, I mean, this is happening around the country. A lot of, you know, listen, being a cop is a tough job and cops complain a lot. They definitely do. They have a, a sense of, you know, the thin blue line that we are these guys. We, they have a sense this is the job, they call it. And they complain a lot because they feel hard done by. But right now, they're hard done by. And Donald Trump is making it a political issue. This is cut 11. You know, Republican cities and towns are doing great. We're doing great. And we don't have crime and we don't have this violence. Chicago over the weekend, many people killed, many people shot, shot. They're actually shot and killed. New York, the same thing. New York's gone through the roof. They're up 300 percent in certain categories. And you say, what's happening? And we want to send them in so badly. <laughs> this is and this is because, you know, they're saying, oh, well, this is Trump's America. But no, it's really not because this happened during Reagan's term, too. You know, cities that had been governed for decades and decades and decades by Democrats were falling apart while Reagan was bringing the country back. And that is that's the truth of what happened then. And that's the truth of what's happening now. And you can tell it's starting to play in the polls. So, you know what? Here is the thing. The. Internet service providers like Comcast or Verizon, they know every single website you visit, right? 
Yes, even that one, even that one, they know you're there. You're not hiding anything from anybody. And they can sell information to ad companies and tech giants who then use that data to target you. And this drives me crazy. I mean, I've told you before, I've like just said something to my wife and suddenly those ads show up because they're listening over my devices. They are watching. So ExpressVPN, which I now use all the time, creates a secure encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. So your online activity can't be seen by anyone. It's just like closing the door if you're doing something private. If you're in the bathroom, if you're in the bedroom and you close the door, it's the same thing as using ExpressVPN on your computer. It's rated number one by CNET, Wired, The Verge. It works on phones, laptops, even routers. Secure your online activity by visiting expressvpn.com slash Clavin today. That's EX. P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash Claven, And you can get an extra three months free at expressvpn.com slash Claven. And I know you're thinking E-X-P-R-E-S. Is that, is that how you spell Claven? No, no, no. That's how you express, spell ExpressVPN. Claven, on the other hand, is K-L-A-V-A-N. <laughs> so you know that this, you know, Trump is playing this for politics, but it's good politics because he's right. You know, when you when when you play something for politics, you may be cynical about it. It doesn't matter. But if you're right, you're right. And the people do hear that. And you can tell this is telling on people in the polls This this narrative that the polls haven't moved, that the polls aren't moving is just not so. They are getting closer. This race is much closer in Florida. They're saying it's neck and neck. They're saying Trump is getting gaining with um, with Hispanics, which is really, really interesting. They say he's gaining with blacks, but nobody knows by how much. Nobody really knows. These polls, it's really tough to poll people. And we just don't know. Maybe every poll is exactly accurate. Sometimes, a lot of times after the election, the pollsters come out and say, well, we got everything wrong, but we were really right. You know, we got everything wrong, but it was really right. So the last election, they said, well, we got the numbers right, but there were different places and we missed by a few thousand. And, you know, and then Trump was the biggest, you know, uh, the biggest comeback ever, the biggest uh, turnaround and surprise ever. And the polls were like, well, basically we got it right, except for getting it wrong, except for the getting it wrong. It was like a mostly right, mostly right polls. So it's very hard to tell where we are right now, but the polls are in motion. And you can tell by the fact that suddenly, suddenly, remember the Democrat convention crickets when it came to talking about this crime and these riots and all this stuff, just absolutely nothing. Now, suddenly it's a problem. Now, suddenly they're treading water and turning around. And Biden made my favorite comment of all when he was asked about defunding the police. This is Joe Biden cut nine. If you watch the ads, I'm sure you've seen them, although uh, a lot of Pennsylvanians are seeing them because there's a lot of ads out there right now. Uh, they would say that you want to uh, defund the police, and uh, it seems to be uh, uh, trying to frighten some folks. Uh, can you can you set the record straight on that? I not only don't want to defund the police, I'm the one calling for $300 billion, million more for local police, for community policing. I also think we should add uh, social workers and psychologists to help police on 911 calls. The only person calling to defund the police is, is Donald Trump. Look at his budget. He calls for cutting police funding for local, state and local help by $400 million. Once again, he's pathological. <laughs> yeah, it's Donald Trump. Who, that's, uh, yeah, it's Donald Trump who doesn't support the police. That's it. That's it, Donald. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that guy who used to lie on SNL who's just like, you know, yeah, that's it. It's Donald Trump who doesn't want to... 
Even Al Sharpton Jr., the worst person in the country, well, he's not the worst person in the country. That, that's, that's unkind. That's unkind. He's like the second or third worst person in the country. Even Al Sharpton Jr. suddenly has got the word from on high. It's cut 10. We need to reimagining how we do policing. But when you are talking about the fact that, A, we are in the areas where that is inundated with guns, that has this uh, serious problems of our uh, people being given guns that can't even get a summer program. To take all policing off is something that I think uh, a latte liberal may go for as they sit around the Hamptons discussing this as some academic problem. But people living on the ground need proper policing. You know what's crazy about this, too? Everybody's saying, yeah, but we do need police reform. And I'm always happy to reform the police. But, you know, police are a power center. All power centers should be watched very closely. Police have guns. They have badges. They can come and say, come with me. And you have to go with them, you know. So the police have to be watched. You know, Not that they're not great people, most of them, but that's not the point. Any system that has power, power corrupts, and you got to watch them. But police over the last three decades have been a major success story, a major success story. The problem with in black neighborhoods has nothing to do with the police. Remember, when you get to the police, by the time you get to the police, every social system has failed, including the individual, right? When the, by the time you're dealing with a cop, by the time you're fighting with a cop on the street and resisting arrest on the street, every social level has failed, including you. Okay. If there was supposed to be some safety net, it's failed. If there was supposed to be something that was going to keep you off drugs and give you hope and make sure you got married and had a good, reasonable life that was not going to lead you to this moment, all of that has failed. If there was something in you that was supposed to keep you on the uh, beaten path, that was supposed to keep you on the straight and narrow, that's failed. The cop is just trying to keep you from hurting other people. That's the only thing he's doing. He's not a sociologist. He's not a psychologist. If you call a sociologist when you have a rape going on, you are just going to get raped and then have somebody come up and do nothing. So you need cops. Cops are cops are the, the long arm of the law, just like, you know, just like being a parent. I do not believe in hitting kids, but ultimately, ultimately, your power as a parent is physical. Ultimately, you have to be the wall that keeps the kid from running into the street, even if it means grabbing him by the collar and pulling him out of the street. And even if it does mean an occasional swat to make sure he, he gets the message, that's the ultimate power that people have is physical. That's who the cops are. And basically piling everything onto them, all of the burdens of society onto them is never going to work. But they do that because everyone else has failed all the way down the line and nobody wants to say, oh, this is my fault. No mayor wants to say, oh, it's my fault. My policies suck. It's always the cops because the cop is the guy who gets caught in that moment when everything has gone wrong. So this may be hard to imagine, but let's just say you found yourself in some extraordinary circumstances where you were locked in your house, couldn't get out, couldn't go to the store, couldn't get the food you might need, like the situation you've been in for the last, oh, I don't know, six months is it now? I can't remember. But the thing is, you want to have food on hand and ReadyWise food can help you. ReadyWise makes lots of stuff. They make emergency meals, freeze-dried fruits and vegetables for convenient on-the-go nutrition, and even new adventure meals for hiking, camping, and other outdoor activities. ReadyWise meals are easy to prepare. You just add water, and they have a very long shelf life, so you can keep them around. You have them when you need them. When government resources are strained, it may be a while before fresh food is available. ReadyWise makes being prepared simple and affordable. Order online and have nutritious meals shipped directly to your doorstep. This week, my listeners can get free shipping at ReadyWise.com when entering Clavin at checkout or by calling 855 855- 
474-4084. ReadyWise has a 90-day no-questions-asked return policy, so there's no risk taking the initiative to get yourself and your family prepared today. That's ReadyWise, R-E-A-D-Y-W-I-S-E dot com, promo code Claven to get free shipping. And I know you're wondering, well, ReadyWise, I can spell that, but how, how, oh, how do I spell Claven? It's K-L-A-V-A-N, no ease. This is why, you know, this is why I love that Barack Obama and Kamala Harris did a little promotional video. And here is what Obama had to say about Joe Biden. Tell me about Joe and your relationship with Joe. And what do I need to know? Like, what's the thing about the ice cream? He loves ice cream. You know, Tell me about well, that. Well, listen, <laughs> ice cream is big. Uh, pasta with red sauce. He, he can he, he can go deep. On that, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, he really does like those aviator glasses. He knows he looks good in them. <laughs> but but look, the, the the main thing to know about Joe is that Joe uh, has never lost his sense of why we do this, and we do yes. it because of you know for him memories of his family uh, yeah. back in Scranton, and yeah. then the people of Delaware that he represented, the folks on the Amtrak train, he met uh, each and every day. (laughs) So he he likes pasta, ice cream, aviator glasses, and he cares, and he cares. He's a good person. He's a good person. The thing is, he's not. He's a liar. He's always been a liar. He's a cynical, empty guy, and now he's senile. (laughs) But but he likes ice cream. I'm sure he does like ice cream. Who who, Who doesn't like ice cream? This is the thing they're always selling us. They're selling us their virtue. They're telling us that they are better people. They have the ability. Don't worry. Don't worry. Give them the power. They have the ability to do what what needs to be done for your betterment. And look at that Donald Trump. Look how mean mean he is. He's mean. He's mean. He says things. He says nasty things. He's rude. He's boorish. They're right about that. He sometimes is rude. He sometimes is boorish. But they are exactly what he is. They just disguise it more. The whole thing about Donald Trump is he is no worse than any politician I've ever seen in terms of his personality. He just doesn't disguise it. Why? Because if he weren't that crazy, if he weren't that open, if he weren't that strange, he would not be fighting the fight he's fighting. This would have gone on forever. This encroachment of government, this slow encroachment of government, slower under Republicans, faster under Democrats, but constant, would have gone on forever. This globalization, this takeover of our rights, which now has emptied our institutions, would have gone on forever. Donald Trump lanced that boil. He's the stone in their shoe. And that's what they're going after him for. It's always about the ideas underneath. Character counts, but ideas count more because ideas will win the day. If I could turn this camera around without breaking every single thing, which I can't, you would see that this little attic of mine is filled with eros. It has, well, it has one ero here. I got one downstairs. I got one in the back room and I got one out in my little shed where I do my writing. What does it do? It keeps the Wi-Fi strong in all these different outlying places because LA is like the communications capital of the world. So you can't get any communications. You don't get good Wi-Fi service. You don't get good telephone service. But with Eero, you can boost it so you never fall short. You have the Wi-Fi you need. It's, it really is good. And you really can work. I, I've had them before they were sponsors. I had them a couple of years before they were sponsors. They're really easy to install. You have an app where you can work them. You can check on them. If you get a blackout, if you get one of these rolling blackouts, you can bring them back online very easily. 
we ask a lot of our Wi-Fi, and Eero can help yours do more. So go to Eero.com slash Andrew and enter code Andrew at checkout to get free next day shipping with your order. That's E-E-R-O.com slash Andrew, code Andrew at checkout to get your Eero delivered with free next day shipping. Eero.com slash Andrew, code Andrew. Also, while you're here, we've got the mailbag is coming up. And so this is a good, yes, exactly. You will, you will sound like that in just moments, just moments. You will be saying, your, your spouse will be saying, why, why do you sound like that? And you'll say, I heard them. And these, this is the Portland mailbag spreading wisdom like a, just a hundred days of rioting wisdom. Uh, but while you're subscribing, if you want to subscribe, now you can get an in, be an insider member and you can watch our shows live, not just on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or another podcast app, not just on YouTube, not just on Facebook, not just on dailywire.com, but you can actually watch The Daily Wire on Apple TV and Roku. So you can watch right on your TV. You have to be an insider member to watch live. So head over to dailywire.com slash Clavin. Use code watch to get 15% off your membership purchase plus a leftist tears tumbler. Again, that's dailywire.com slash Clavin to get 15% off with code watch and download the Daily Wire on your Apple TV and Roku today. And if you haven't subscribed yet, you can be in next week's mailbag and then all your problems will be solved then instead of now. But perhaps, who knows, perhaps someone will ask your question and you will be illuminated and you will sound like that screaming girl. All right, mailbag coming up. All right, mailbag. That was Kamala Harris, her laugh, and then her laugh slowed down. And I, it may be the most, I'm not sure I can go through with the mailbag anymore. I'm, I'm too upset. I now have uh, post-traumatic stress syndrome. Uh, somebody else should <laughs> drop, drop a house on her too. Uh, all right, from Lisa, question for Drew, Lord of all things of wisdom. My husband's company has imposed diversity training on all employees, and I'm sure mine will soon. Do you have suggestions for those of us who know what dangerous nonsense this is and would like to push back? I'm 58 and work in a very specialized technical field, so I can't just pick up and move to another company. Should I just play along? Well, here, here's what I have to say. I, I do not know what the law says about this, because I feel it is an imposition and I feel that if it threatens your work, I feel that that should be illegal, but I'm not sure. My suggestion would be this. If you can find other people who agree with you, maybe meet with them and see if you can consult a lawyer and find out what your options are, because corporations should not be doing this to people. This this stuff, this race training, which is absolutely leftist, absolutely Marxist, absolutely wrong. It's absolutely wrong. And I don't think it helps anything. I think it divides people and makes things worse. And I think it's anti-American and I think it's racist. So I think we do need to speak up about it. Obviously, I can't say, well, you know, throw away your livelihood, you know, you know, uh, risk everything and, uh, and ruin your lives. But I do think it behooves us to step up. And especially at this moment, this is the moment they're making their move, they're doing their thing. I, I think this is a moment when we have to speak up too. So if you can take action, if you can quietly consult an attorney, if you can quietly uh, band together with other people, don't, be, don't go at it alone if you can, can help it. Uh, but maybe just find out what your rights are. Find out what, you know, how you can protest. Find out if you can opt out. See if this is something that you can fight. Uh, at some level where you're not going to be automatically crushed. It's worth doing. It is worth doing. 
Everybody, everybody is asking me the same question. How can I speak up without consequences? The answer is you can't. You can't speak up without consequences. If you love this country, now is the time when you have to speak up. We're all facing consequences, every one of us, including me. And I think we have to basically face those consequences or else, you know, who are we? We're just complaining. We're just people complaining. I know a lot of people in Hollywood. I do. I know a lot of conservatives in Hollywood who come over and you know what they say to me? They say, you should, you should tell people, you should write an article about, you should do this. And I say, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. What, what about you? Well, I can't, I couldn't do it. No, then I, I'd never work again, you know? it's not that time anymore. It's now the time where you have to do it. It's now the time where you have to speak up. You know, I'm not telling you to rush into the buzzsaw again, but but see, see what action you can take. Uh, because it's, I, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know the answers to how much power you have in that situation. I know it's uncomfortable. All right, let's have a video question. I think this is Stephen, is that his name? Hey, Andrew. My name is Stephen. I'm upset by socialist upheaval in America today. I'm scared some kind of socialist uprising could happen. What I don't see is a catalyst that you normally see in those revolutions, like Batista's genocide in Cuba, the Tsar's negligence and ignorance in Russia, or the massive failings of the Chinese dealing with Japanese imperialism. Our worst cultural problem in America is our entitlement. Us being so sheltered and entitled makes things that are so small relative to normal socialist catalysts seem so much worse. Do you think a socialist revolution is possible based on our cultural standings today? Thanks for taking my question. Uh, it's a really good question. A lot of people are worried about this. This is obviously the socialists think, yes, they, this is their, they're making their move. I've said this, I said this months ago. They think this is the time. This is the hour, the lockdowns, the uh, backsliding economy, all of these things. They thought they saw this, this was their moment. So we have a confluence of circumstances. I mean, if you want to look at a catalyst circumstance, I would say it's the lockdowns and the, and the sudden grinding to a halt of the economy and the left's pushing to keep the economy closed. That, you know, 15 days to slow the spread would not have brought this on. That was the idea. But once Trump said we should reopen for Easter and didn't stick to that and basically just face down the New York Times and face down, that was before he kind of got a new team on his campaign and he really started to listen. I think he got, personally, this is just a guess, I think he got enclosed in that Washington bubble. So it was a mistake. The left seized on 15 days to slow the spread and turned it into Let's stop the economy until death has been cured, right? And that's what Trump has been fighting against. And he has, with you know, Fauci telling him he's got to do it, and all these people just living off fear. I mean, if you read the New York Times, it's just like a it's it's like a crazy old lady screaming, "We're all going to die." That's the that's what the New York Times is, and the mishandling of all that. So that so there is this circumstance. This is what they've. This is the thing, the moment that they have seized. I believe, oh, by the way, and it's exacerbated by the fact that a lot of this race theory that is just socialism in disguise has moved up into the corporate levels because they don't care. They don't care what they're doing. They're not going to be affected by it at all. They're so rich, they don't care what happens. And it makes they think it makes them look good and they think it makes the, uh, keeps their audience uh, happy. We're going to find out. We're going to find out about that. I think they've made a mistake. I think they missed their moment. I think their moment is, might have been, if they had just kept quiet, kept it, uh, the slow boil going for another 20 years, they might have pulled this off. I think they goofed. And I think they may get Donald Trump reelected in a big way. I, I can't promise you that. I don't know the future any more than anyone else. But I think this, is, this reminds me, after the French Revolution became a nightmare, be, just led to terror and murder and world war, uh, after that happened, 
and everybody was kind of shocked. There were these, there was this year, I think, I, I want to say 1846, I, I, I believe that was the year, when suddenly there were revolutions all over Europe. And they rose up, and for a moment they looked like they were successful, and then finally the conservatives got their act together and tamped them down. And that's what this reminds me of. It reminds me of a reflux of a, the failed revolution of the 1960s, and it's taken conservatives a, a bit of a moment of, of shock to see if they can fight back. A lot of people, like the last questioner, saying, well, what do I do? I don't want to lose my job. I don't want to do... But I think eventually people will start to strike back. I think what the cops are saying is striking back. And if the voters come out and say, you know what, we're voting for Trump and you guys go to hell. I think that will have a big effect. People say, well, if Trump wins, there'll be more riots. I think there will a little bit, but then the Democrats are going to say, you know, this is killing our party and they'll, they'll bring it to a halt. So that's my guess. You know, nobody knows the future, but that is my guess. Um, from Talon, a dear master of the true, the good, and the bald. I've heard you mention on your show Jane Austen. As a fan myself, I want to know what your opinion is, both as a man and as a writer, of her works and writing style. Also, can you explain how people interpret Austen's books as feminist? When I read her books, I do not come to this conclusion. Thank you. Well, I've said this many times. I think, I think Jane Austen is the only great female novelist. Now, when I say that, people mistake me. I don't mean she's the only no uh, female novelist to ever have written a great novel. Jane Eyre is a great novel. Wuthering Heights is a great novel. One of the best novelists working today is Donna Tartt. I don't think she's written a great novel yet, but she's certainly a very fine uh, novelist. There are plenty of, of good women novels. But when I talk about, when I use the word great, I'm talking about a handful of men and Jane Austen. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Tolstoy. I'm talking about Dostoevsky, Dickens, you know, maybe Trollope. I'm talking about the very, very top level of novelists who, when you go to them, you want to read all their work because all of it is great at some level. And Jane Austen is one of them. Um, uh, you know, feminism means nothing at this point. I mean, it, it kind of has this idea that women are put upon, but they should be strong, but they should be mothers, but they should not be, you know, it's, it's, it's such a, it's such a babbling a fountain of discontent and stupidity that who knows why they call Jane Austen feminist. What she is is great. She is a great, great novelist. And the reason she's great, in my opinion, is because she understands the lives of women in her time with a kind of completeness that no one else writes about. She understands, you know, a lot of times when they film her, they emphasize the romantic aspect of it because that's what brings people into movie theaters or they, you know, the cute outfits. I, everybody loves those reasons she dresses, including me. They, you know, they're very lovely. So they emphasize that or they'll do one that's a little bit rad and they'll emphasize the sexuality of it or the, or the e economics of it. But Jane Austen got all of that. She understood how personality plays into things. She understood how personality and values play into things. She is an incredibly ethical writer. She's a writer. She writes about virtue. She writes about how virtue is uh, personified, in, usually in naval officers. Uh, she writes about how virtue is personified in women, how women are dealing with a situation in which their lives depend on marriage a lot of times, and they have to work in in. In that system of marriage, they still have to work to have a satisfying spiritual love relationship, but also a relationship that will help them be supported and live well. And she shows the price of selling out any part of that. And it's just, it's just a vivid and complete picture of a civilization. I, I think she is, again, just one of the greatest of and earliest of the uh, truly great British novelists. Uh, and I think that, like all the great novelists, every one of her books is worth reading at some level, though I am per, uh, partial to Pride and Pre Prejudice and Emma and uh, Sense and Sensibility. I think she's just absolutely terrific. And what is amazing about her is she hits at some level on some 
something about love and marriage, especially for women, that is primal, while at the same time putting it in this beautiful vision of her time. She's just absolutely terrific. Uh, let's do one more. Um, uh, from Michael, I fell in love a few years ago with the strangest woman I have ever met in my life, which is par for the course for every friend I've ever made. Things were always rocky in our friendship, but my love for her has never diminished over the years. I hope she, she will one day return to me. She's going through a radical phase where she supports BLM and many other leftist sh shenanigans. Uh, she spends so much time on Twitter and made the majority of her friends on there. I know deep down she's a good girl and one of the sweetest people I've ever met, but she's dealing with mental health issues and she's making a terrible mistake supporting BLM. I vowed to let her come to me because she's made it clear she doesn't want to hear from me right now, and it's breaking my heart to see her go down this road, and I have no mutual friends I can reach out to to help her. She's determined to stay in the bubble. Um, I'm coping by focusing on myself and being the best person I can be. Do you have any wisdom to share if the time arises that we reconnect? What should I say to her about BLM? You know, I actually think you're asking the wrong question here. Why is it par for the course of every friend that you have ever made that they are strange and have mental issues. I mean, I don't understand that. Why, why are you chasing after a woman who has mental issues and it doesn't ha share your values and is going off on a political tangent that you don't like or understand? I don't get that. And I think if that happens to you all the time, it's you. It has to do with you. And I think while you're focusing on being the best person you should be, I think you should begin to explore this. Why is it that you're attracted to fractious people who cannot uh, give you the satisfaction that you need in your life and the, the deep, rich relationship that two people who are sane can have? And that, so that's what I think you should. I think you should not be thinking about this girl. Uh, I think you should be thinking about yourself. If this is par for the course of every friend I have ever made, that's your line, uh, I think that that's what you should be focused on. And maybe you should look at your past and your life, get therapy maybe, find, explore why you're attracted to people who are not going to be permanent relationships, who are not going to give you the family and the love and the long-term uh, stability that you obviously need in your life. I got to stop there. I'm just out of time. But I'll be back again tomorrow with The Andrew Clavin Show. I am Andrew Clavin. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, give us a five-star review and also tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Matt Wall Show, and The Michael Knowles Show. Thanks for listening. The Andrew Clavin Show is produced by Robert Sterling. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Assistant director, Pavel Wadowski. Edited by Adam Saivitz and Danny D'Amico. Audio mixed by Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup, or head and makeup, is by Nika Geneva. Animations are by Cynthia Angulo. Production assistants, McKenna Waters and Ryan Love. The Andrew Claven Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. If you prefer facts over feelings, aren't offended by the brutal truth, and you can still laugh at the insanity filling our national news cycle, well, tune in to The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get a whole lot of that and much more. See you there. Mm -hmm.